This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good day, greetings, hello, and welcome to Art at the End of the World, the podcast where we welcome artists, entertainers, and cultural leaders speaking about what it is to make art here at the end. And my name is Mark Wigmore. Great to be with you. This is a show that I host. I can also be heard weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on classicalfm.ca, where I host the Oasis on the new Classical FM. And thank you to that media outfit and the Zoomer Podcast Network. We've been able to put together this second season of the show, and it has been uh, so much fun and informative, and it's really come together in the last few weeks, and I'm really feeling uh, great about how it's all gone. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. And if you're just joining us, there are many, many episodes to enjoy. Just download or subscribe or stream wherever you enjoy podcasts. A uh, couple of notes for you. Ron Davis, the musician, and Alexander Streliski, both up for Junos this month. And you can hear those podcast conversations, those episodes at classicalfm.ca or iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you enjoy podcasts. Carolyn Taylor is the founder and longtime showrunner of Baroness Von Sketch, the TV show. And uh, she will be my guest next Monday on the program. And Baroness is up for five Canadian Screen Awards later this month. And, of course, Schitt's Creek is up for over a dozen awards, I think. And uh, they've got the most nominations out of any show. And the final season happening right now. And you can listen to all my conversations with all those cast members on the website, Art at the End of the World. You just head to the blog section. We call it Shit's Creek, The Complete Masterworks, and my interviews with Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy, Dan Levy, Annie Murphy, who else? Uh, Noah from the show and Karen Robinson, all there for you to enjoy. I'll let you know that Art at the End of the World is brought to you by Red Eye Media, a leading arts and entertainment communications company working with award-winning clients, including the Musical Stage Company, SummerWorks Performance Festival, and many others. RedEyeMedia.ca is the place to visit if you have an arts organization that needs representation and support. And one company that does that is Crow's Theater, and this podcast is also brought to you by that group, one of the country's most acclaimed arts organizations based in Toronto's vibrant East End community. Crow's Theater creating unforgettable theater that examines and illuminates the pivotal narratives of our times, and that is so true. Crowstheater.com for info and tickets. The show The Events began yesterday at Crow's. Go and enjoy a show at Carla and Dundas in Toronto's East End. Okay. Let's get to it. Today on the show, Ben Kowalowicz, lead singer of Billy Talent. the band from Mississauga that made it real big. Canada, North America, and huge, massive in Europe. Billy Talent, and uh, the name derived from a famous character from the book and movie, Hardcore Logo. little fun fact for you there. Maybe you knew, maybe you don't. And these guys, uh, Ian, Jordan, Aaron, Jonathan, and Ben, they've been at it for a long time, and they did it the old-fashioned way. Hard work, a sound that isn't quite Really anything. It's not quite heavy metal. It's not quite punk. It's not quite progressive. It really cuts through. It's their own sound. 
And they take great pride, not only in how they record and what they put out into the world, but also how they present on stage and the energy they bring to their audiences. And what's interesting about this group, as I, as you know, rock acts in this day and age, it's sort of a different ball of wax than it used to be. They started in the classic record company, Much Music MTV world of the late 90s. And now, here in 2020, they're deciding how they want to present and release and take on a completely different media and distribution landscape. It really has changed dramatically, and Billy Talent is responding. They're releasing singles at the moment and interesting video projects and really mixing it up compared to the classic put-out-an-album-and-tour routine, and we're going to talk about that in uh, just a couple of moments. I first caught the band at EdgeFest. I'm going to talk to Ben about this in, in uh, a few minutes here, but uh, I remember seeing them with just... 20 people <laughs> on the grounds up in Barrie. And uh, eventually I was able to see them again. I think I caught them at like a big arena show. And then eventually I saw them at the Hard Rock Cafe, a big show in the States uh, in Las Vegas. And I remember after the show was done, I was hanging out with my friend Dustin Rabin, who was photographing them that night. And we all went out together, the two of us and the band. And uh, I had a very spirited conversation with Ben that night. We got into it a little bit. We were arguing about something uh, political and or artistic. He was a very engaged, passionate guy, and that always really stuck with me. And I ended up going off, taking off with Ian DeSaw, the guitar player, and we went up to the top of the uh, Eiffel Tower, the Las Vegas Eiffel Tower, and had dinner and drinks there. And the rest of the guys went and had fun in Las Vegas. But uh, Great memory of hanging out with those guys, and uh, Ben has always been such an engaging guy. Uh, we've talked a little bit over the years, and he's excited, and he's willing to try new things. We got together last time for an interview at Jazz FM, and he was working on a stage show titled A&R Angels. Maybe you saw it. It was uh, alongside Kevin Drew from Broken Social Scene, and that was a real risk for him artistically, and it was a collaboration with Crow's Theater, one of our sponsors, of course, here at the show. So I've always uh, been in admiration, and, and of course, uh, the group periodically gets back together and, and you know puts their life on hold and goes back into the recording studio and back out on the road. They're doing that right now. So let's get into it. Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent on Art at the End of the World. How are we sounding? Yeah, good. Oh, you got such a good radio voice. Like that, like, low Ding grumble. dong. Still got it. <laughs> After all these years. Uh, I heard uh, briefly your conversation with uh, Mr. Chris Abraham. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was good. I couldn't listen to the whole thing because I was on my way out the door, but... It was good. He was in sort of an interesting mood that day because, you know, the reviews had just come out for the Shakespeare thing. Okay. Done. So he, and, and was it mixed reviews? I think he just felt like... I, I mean, it was a very strong... Showing, yeah, you had a, seen it. Right? I had seen it, yeah, yeah. And uh, but I guess the star had kind of warned people that they may be triggered, you know, by different elements. Of okay, this. and that was, <laughs> you know, that it, it actually led to kind of an interesting conversation about where we are with yeah, that, as, like, a, as, a, as a society. Do, right? do yeah. we? Do we need to be told that we're going to be triggered? Sorry about the hair. Well, no, but that's actually a good... Well, we had that same type of conversation. I think it was mine. Uh, we had that same type of conversation when we were discussing in our angels, just right. due to the graphic nature of what we were talking about. Yeah. You know, and how like the opening uh, scene, you know, a guy hangs himself right. on the stage. And right. it's very graphic and very shocking. And, um, and we had some people walk out, you know, so it was, um, you know, we had to sit there and be like, do we preface the show by saying what this is and that you may be triggered and what, there is shocking, you know. What did you end up doing? We didn't do anything. You didn't? Nothing in the nothing. program? No, or? we ended up uh, posting like just things on the, um, like printed on the door. Okay. So just if you're walking in and you happen to notice, you can, right. you know, but there was, we didn't post it online. I don't, I don't think anyway. Um, but yeah, so it was, uh, you got to be careful nowadays, right? They, I guess so. And he said that they did end up making a decision and he, even that, you know, as far as actually posting on the internet and so on. And even that he said he had issues with, it's Julius Caesar. Yeah. Well, like, the everybody should know. Yeah, well, and if you don't, into, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's true too, I guess. Uh, yeah. Anyway. What a world, eh? What a world. What, we a, world. Live, what a world we live what in What a now. world. A story that I, I, maybe I told you this story already, but I love this 
So about 20 years ago, I'm, <laughs> I get in tickets to like a big concert up in Barrie. Uh-huh. And it, what were those? I guess it was Edge Fest. Edge Fest, yeah. So that yeah, was kind of, you knew about that. Like you Wilson were, Park? Yeah. And you, yeah, and you yeah. were working with the Edge like yeah. know, before, I, probably while they were introducing those concerts. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, uh, I remember the very first time we played Edge Fest. Um, but even like as a guy who was you working uh, with the Edge, like they, they probably had them at that point? Or yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I was working at the Edge. It's all a blur to me. But right. uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I was, I was there from uh, like 99 to 2001. So I wasn't there very long. No, no, not too long. But I was there uh, long enough. To uh, to develop some pretty good inroads. Um, I just wonder if and, they were having the concerts. At that yeah, point. I don't know. That, yeah. I, I'm sure they were. I don't know to what capacity they were. They must have been, like, because there was like in the early '90s. There so, was mid '90s. They had, you know, that's right. Yeah, like so, Our Lady Peace and Garbage, so, <laughs> and, you know, like yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you've probably been on the bill with some of those. That, that, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Of course. I like it. Yeah, Our Lady Peace. They're nice, nice fellas. Never so, met Garbage. Met Bob Rock though. So they're well, not Bob, Bob Rock. Uh, uh, you oh must God. have met Bob Rock. I have met Bob years. Rock, but that's not who I'm talking about. Butch Vig. So. Rock and Hyde. Yeah. God <laughs> bless them. I met uh, Butch Vig in an elevator, and um, I tried to have a lengthy conversation with him, and it did not go well. Did not go well because well, there was not enough floors. <laughs> <laughs> floors. And I'm like, yeah, hey man, I really love everything you do. You're really. He's like, Thank have you. Your, your elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk yeah, right yeah. there, literally. Yeah. Uh, so there. So I went to Edge Fest, mm. and I was really looking forward to seeing Jerry Cantrell mm-hmm. from Alice in Chains fame, because at that point, Alice in Chains had broken up. Broken up or. Because well, of Lane's Daily. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess Lane yeah, yeah. was holed up in an apartment or oh, whatever, okay. whatever he was doing. Oh, so doing it was in that, that interim. Okay, it yeah. was in that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that portion of their career. And the other, I was sort of half interested in seeing Cake mm-hmm. as well. Love Cake. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, And the headliner was Nickelback. Oh, wow, interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. So we get there, and uh, it's you know just a zoo, and I'm trying to find parking, and I'm with Dustin Rabin, who yeah. is a friend of mine and a friend of yours and a collaborator of yours. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're we get there in just in time for Jerry Cantrell, but it's not Jerry Cantrell on stage, hmm. and it's some other band. And I'm looking at the there's a little program, and we're not using phones the way yeah, we yeah, do yeah. now. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no updates or anything like yeah. that. So finally, I tap the guy's shoulder in front of me, and I say. Hey, uh, you didn't see Jerry Cantrell on stage, are you? Oh, yeah, no, they switched places. He, this Jerry was on earlier. Okay, and uh, he's great. Yeah. So that really made so me you're upset. furious yeah. <laughs> that I had made all this this trip. You missed it, them. and it was awesome. So, they, so then Cake is on the main stage later, and yeah. they last a song and a half before the Nickelback fans pelt them off is stage that, yeah, with I, water bottles. I remember bottles. that. Yeah, right. Cake. Yeah, like like that's like. That's like throwing, uh, I know. know, like a bottle at a like a, a golden retriever. I know it you is. Know? Like they're like leave the leave cake alone. <laughs> yeah, they, it's a very nice. it's a very good metaphor. Yeah. And, and so uh, I, I was very disappointed. The one highlight of my day was at that point. Dustin said, "You know what? This isn't working out, but there's this guy I know, and and we could maybe go." Check them out. I think this is their first real big festival gig mm. or something. They're called Billy Talent, and uh, I think they're just playing over there. And I think when I walked down and found you guys, you were on a riser that was about six inches tall. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like one of those things they it used. It wasn't a, a stage. It wasn't it was a stage. Like, it was a scaffolding or whatever, like, a, like skids that they <laughs> no, had. They were skids. A, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. No, because they were. <laughs> <laughs> they looked like that because that's what they were. Well, and the funny part about that is if my memory serves me right, and Aaron is here uh as my witness, but we we had gotten there, and it was kind of like a throw in for us. Okay, it was like, yeah, you guys can play, but you're like, you go on first. Like when the doors open, we're like, we don't care, we'll go on first. And so we get there with eager beavers, you know, with all our gear and all our stuff ready to go. That stage had been, you know, uh, behind at that point, and like being actually set up. Like we got there, there was nothing, right? You know, and the guy who was running it who I, I've seen over the years, I can't remember his name, but anyway, he's like, listen, if you guys want to play, you got to set the stage up. Really? So we're like, okay. So <laughs> next thing you know, here we are. And luckily, you know, Ian had some, uh, some uh, technical skills. Some construction uh, skills. Then. Could work well, with his Johnny hands. was good with his, the muscle and, uh, you right. know, and we all, we all just kind of made it work. But so we set it all up. And then as soon as we were done, we're like, right, plug in, let's go. And we played. So yeah, that was I, our very first uh, festival show. Gig, gig in that sort yeah, of format. Totally. And, and I remember watching you guys and it was, you know, a, a modest group uh, around. <laughs> and I thought, 
there's something here. Like this, there's something going on with this band. Mm. And I remember even being able to focus in on it there. And uh, really, it wasn't very long after that before things went completely bonkers. Yeah, but, uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah it, it really a fascinating memory for me, and it's the one good memory I have of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As of everything else. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, thank you for that. That's nice to say. Thank How, you. How's uh, fatherhood treating you? Fatherhood is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Is that true? I actually mean that as well. Yeah. It's, so, uh, it's some people fantastic. say you have to say that. Yeah, and you know what? I was I was the anti kid guy. Like I was never like an asshole about. Oh, sorry, I, I was That's never fun. like a. <laughs> I was never you know a jerk about it. But my friends would be like, I have a kid and he's so great. I'm like, great. Yeah, I don't care. Right. Like I'm happy for you. But I really don't care. I was actually the uh, guy who people would tell me they were having a kid, and I remember saying to them, I'll never see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, and maybe that was some of it. Uh, that me, actually did like, happen. Oh, I'm going to miss you too. guys. You know, yeah. Good luck. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. We had a good time. We, we did. Go. Oh, why? The memories. Um, so, anyway, yeah. So, I was never really uh, overly. I, it wasn't necessarily that I didn't want to have a kid, mm-hmm. I just couldn't see it ever on the horizon just because I was all, I kind of, uh, live like a horse with blinders, you know, know, and I just kind of focus on what's in front of me and I go. You also live on stages and in buses and so on and so forth. Yeah, I do. Or at least did for a a long, long time. Still about to get back on that horse as well. Um, but yeah. And then my wife and I, uh, who I've been with for, you know, I mean, God, we've been friends for probably 25 years and we've been together, I guess for 15, you know, so long time. Uh, it is. And we kind of were getting to that point where we looked at each other and we're like, okay, well, I guess, you know, we're kind of getting to the age where if we're going to do this, we got to at least try to entertain that idea now. Cramming for the finals. Yeah, more or less. And, uh, and the whole journey and process, uh, is insane. And, uh, it has so many ups and downs and it is literally since the moment I laid my eyes on her, my daughter, till now, I like she's it's she's the greatest thing that I've I've ever done. Where are we life. at? Like uh, twelve months? Six months. Six months. Okay. Yeah, six months. And uh, you know, I I have a newfound respect for, uh, and I've even told like Aaron and Johnny in the band. Uh, Aaron has two, and Johnny has three. And you know, I've apologized and said like I'm sorry. Right. You know what I mean? Because I never knew one how like m- much like effort. Like there's the love and there's the compassion and there's that that's innate, right. but the actual like you know twenty four seven boots on the ground, yeah. Kind of, you know? yeah. Uh, and it's been it's been eye opening and I've been very fortunate to be home. So my wife and I have just been kind of doing this together uh, twenty four hours a day, right. you know. So it's been it's been really it's been really amazing. I'm really truthfully you'll be super very happy. glad that you. Uh, you had that time. I Absolutely. Think you'll always look back and think totally. that was the right thing. Yeah, even when it's happening, I think that. Yeah. Know? So, yeah, I'm a very, very proud father. Yeah. It's nice, right? And I, I always mark it. I mean, there's that first week, which is very special. Uh, and then three months, they actually start to form and lo- look like this, mm-hmm. you know, little human version of a human. Yeah, and yeah. then six months, they're really starting to. Yeah, some she's, character uh, coming she's, along. yeah, she's, uh, she's found her voice, which she's adopted from her, <laughs> got from her dad. Right. Yeah. So okay. she can scream bloody murder, Good. uh, but she's, uh, she's the, just the wonderment and, uh, you know, there, there's no better feeling than her seeing you for the first time in the morning and that smile, you know, like that's, yeah. that's just the best. So anyway, and, and very her, happy. And mom's all right. Mom's the, an MVP. Just when I thought she couldn't be good at anything else. Right. She's uh, she's fallen into the role uh, with grace, and uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty beautiful to watch. So you're saying you're getting back on the road 2020. Yep. I, I have seen a couple of the dates that you have, some big ones coming mm-hmm. up, and and uh, I mean, ten years ago that looked a certain way through the prism of your of your life and your brain, you know, fatherhood and where you guys are at and the changes that the yeah. band has gone through and everything that rock and roll has gone through for yeah. that matter. Yeah, I mean, where where does it sit with you at this point to at be this looking point, ahead to those uh, big shows it's just appreciation yeah like sheer and utter appreciation and i don't know if it's because of the kid or if it's just because of circumstance or or my age being you know a 44 year old man now um you and i are the same age we're born the same year yeah, yeah. 75 yeah. yeah and you know and i think also as i was saying earlier i kind of live a life where i just i never really look back i just keep looking forward and so the foot is always on the accelerator Right. And now, since having uh, my daughter and um, 
it's given me an opportunity to slow down and to actually turn around. Life and, in the slow lane, as they say. Well, it's not even the slow lane. It's just it's it's being able to kind of acknowledge, like the like see it now from you know um, from an angle and in a light that that I I'm just so. It's just baffling to me, like from that band that you saw setting the stage up to the, you know, to, to where we're at and still being able to do it and still being together and the, the changes and the, the fads and the, the inner workings of our band and to see it progress and still be standing is, is pretty remarkable. It is. Yeah, it really is. It's no easy task. No, it's not. And I think it, it goes it goes beyond genre or it goes beyond your like or dislike of, you know, um of of our band or it, sure. you know, it, it's it's just it's it's been a remarkable remarkable journey and I'm happy that, you know, uh, that being said that I'm still happy that we're still facing and charging back in, you know what I mean? Like we're not the battlefield may have changed, but we're still, you know, we're still putting up a good fight, you know. Yeah. Is, I mean, is it daunting at all, or is it just like okay, I mean, putting I'd on a little shoe? To say if it, if it, if it's not daunting, but it's right. just different. And so, yeah. what I try to do is I'm trying to use that difference as a motivator. Right. When we tour, we tour really hard. Like the last record and like record cycle that we went on, I guess was you know 22, 23 months off and on, right? And that's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of uh, travel. It's a lot of uh, being away from friends and family and things like that. I'm not ever going to complain about that because right. to be able to do what we do and be able to put food in my mouth and uh, lights on, you know, by playing rock and roll music, I'll never, ever complain. But it does come with its own set of, you know, uh, of challenges. And those being the, the obvious ones is the, the, the being away. But I love it. <laughs> Like, yeah. like I, there is no, it's going to be mean, the best. Well, it's just a remarkable, uh, you know, and I think it's important. I know people may kind of roll their eyes at that, but I still believe that a good rock and roll show can give you something that nothing else in the world can give you that camaraderie of standing in a crowd and, you know, being arm in arm and sweaty and singing songs together at the top of your lungs and sharing in a moment that is only happening at that moment to fill a room with people that have to like take time off work or they had to, you know, take the train down from, you know, from, from Grimsby and they have to, you know, carpool and they're paying for parking and they have to get their babysitters or they have to get, you know, like, then they paid their hard earned money to come see you play and to stand and be there and witness this thing together. Right. It's really beautiful. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't, it's never ever, cause we're all working class kids. Like that's never fallen uh, like we don't take that lightly that, you know, it's, it's, it's a big responsibility and we're, we're very fortunate to still do that. Very empathetic with rock fandom there, because I think <laughs> as somebody who's well, on the stage staring down at that crowd, you really just, the you, guys, you, we go see shows, we go we're see the shows, same, sure. you know, yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. Like I'm can't wait. Like Pearl Jam's coming in Toronto in a couple of weeks and I'm like, I'm freaking out. You know I, what I, mean? I couldn't, like, I couldn't get tickets. Yeah, neither can I, but I'm going to try. <laughs> You know, I'm still working on it. They fell through. I don't think they do the normal scalping thing mm. anymore. Like, They're doing this weird uh, thing, which I don't really know or understand too much about it, but it seems, you know, anything to, com- to combat scalping, I think, is a good idea. Right. You know? But I, I, I think the last time I went down, it's just the, the days of the guy kind of calling out with tickets. It's the, that seems like a dying. Well, yeah, I think that's uh, well, I think that's exactly of... <laughs> what they're trying to, to, right. to counter. And Rage right. just did the same. I, but I mean, like I was just on my way here driving. I was like, wow, okay. So we got Pearl Jam coming. We got Rage Against the Machine coming. We have the Foo Fighters are coming now. You got uh, the Chili Peppers are supposedly coming out with the new record with John Fischianti back on the guitar. You have Tool releasing. Like this is a good time like re- this is like a like a the wave has has is coming again you know the, you the resurgence it. yeah green days out and about you know what i mean like yeah. it's it's yeah it's cool let's talk about that for a moment because if we look at something like the grammy awards sure. for example or uh just even the pop charts mm-hmm. rock and roll has been relegated to some other part sure. of music yeah and it's just i mean chuck klosterman the author said recently in one of his more recent books, he said rock and roll is officially dead, at least from that perspective. I, and I'm not meaning well, to be combative I, with no, this no, no, at no, all. No, 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 no. Yeah. 
It's uh, but I, but in, on one level, I suppose there's an argument for that because we are in this uh, moment where I, I watched the Grammys. Uh, there was barely an instrument to yeah. be seen on stage. Yeah. Then we look at what's happening on tour schedules and what's actually selling out stadiums and what people are actually Hello. looking forward to. Well, that's the, what I'm talking about. In their summer stock, rock and roll <laughs> has always been a counterculture. And there it I mean? is. And there it is. Right. So like, the tickets are selling. Full people throttle. Are going, people want it. Yeah. And they're get, they're getting it. Yeah. You know. Um, when people, when I hear people say that, I just picture like old men yelling at the clouds, like, why are you about? You know, it's like, well, okay, sure. The version of rock and roll that you know yeah. has maybe gone. But that doesn't mean that the new version of rock and roll and what that means is still out there. You just have to find it. Some There's some amazing bands doing some amazing things right now. I'm actually really kind of blown away. I, for the first time, I'm listening to new music again and being like, wow, this is good. I'm turning it up. Right. Yeah. And uh, got a couple of, uh, Picks for me? Yeah, well, like the Dirty Nail, even from you know from Dundas, Ontario, great rock and roll band. All right, uh, you know, uh, Idols from from the UK are they're they're fantastic. You right. know, um, you got Pup from from around here that are doing great things. You know, and I don't know, and you know, three solid picks. Well, and three Put them on great the list. bands. You yeah. know, they're just great bands doing cool things, and it's and it's exciting, and it's dangerous, and it's and it's it, you can sing to it, and you can feel it, and you can hear the truth behind it you know so rock and roll is not dead it may be dead in like the the grammy award version of it but it's it never used really... to be there i think that was the, yeah, the thinking right sure. and maybe it will again right you know but it's a matter of staying open and staying positive and it's there and if yeah. you want to go listen to your vinyl in your basement and reminisce about the good old days you know then go for it but it's <laughs> not you know don't complain about it that's what i guess my argument At the same, you are in a, a unique position just for where you guys started that you we're at a point where the more traditional thinking of the record business was still sort of in place Absolutely. as you guys got underway. You yep. know, record sales, yep. concert sales, yep. record companies. Yep. And then really you watched the World Wide Web and, yeah. and other elements of business Correct. change everything about how it, your business model and how it is Correct. you make a living, which yeah. is bizarre to be at the very arc of that and be on that journey. You, you were sort of in that sweet spot where totally. it all happened all at once. Um, I was having a conversation with my dear friend, Jimmy Shaw, who plays in a band called Metric. and uh, Great band. Great band, great humans. And, um, you know, we were kind of having a conversation uh, a while. I was going to say... Uh, <laughs> It's probably, yeah, a long time ago because I haven't really uh, gone out that much anymore. Uh, but anyway, we were having a conversation <laughs> about how both of our bands kind of shared the same kind of arc and trajectory from the same kind of the launching pad of time. Like, in, you know, it was around the early 2000s that, uh, you know, um, that both and, of our bands kind And we of, think of, uh, like, Moses Snymer, of course, uh, yeah. owns the building and, and runs uh, Zoomer Media here. I mean, Much Music was a place you would play those you know, video awards and be well, a part of that thing. whole thing. So we were the Just last, a different time. We were the last charge of that where you had Much Music playing your video 30 to 50 times a day. I remember. You had rock radio playing you 30 to 50 times a day. And everyone was drinking from the same well. And what I mean by that is people would watch Much Music. Yeah. People would listen to the radio, you know, in the terrestrial kind of format in their cars and at home and things like that. So we all of a sudden went from being, you know, known within a four block radius in Toronto, <laughs> you know, yeah. to then being strapped to the front of a rocket ship. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we had and the reason for our massive, you know, the, the way we came out was because of all of those things fueling it. And then that door shut. Really? That much music stopped playing, you know, slowly stopped playing videos right. and then slowly stopped playing more of the rock videos. And then, you know, radio stations change their formats or they, you know, they, you know how it works. Like I sometimes do. they just, it just doesn't work anymore. So they need to reconfigure their, their approach. And so, you know, bands always come up to me and especially younger bands that we, we talk to and we meet, you know, and they always say like, well, how, how did you guys make it? Right. You know, and it's the most baffling question to to me because we spent almost a decade doing everything by ourselves, from booking our shows to you know setting up stages to postering, recording, maxing out Aaron's credit cards so we can get rehearsal and you know. You got to have then, one guy you can do that. Yeah, to well, their credit it was, cards. wasn't me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, but you know, so and 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 we would send our music out, you know, hoping to send it to labels that would try to find something, you know, to to help us. Right. And no one helped us. You know, yeah. so we went from that type of mentality 
you know, being the cancel band at like the Horseshoe and Ted's Wrecking Yard, when other bands would cancel, we get the call to come fill in. Sure. You know? Um, to then being, you know, this band on TV. Right. Like that wasn't, that we never could have dreamt that in our wildest imaginations that that would happen to us. At know? the same time, I guess we can commiserate with those kids because that system no longer exists, right? Well, no, so, but that's so what for I mean. them, it's, it's, I don't have the answer. Yeah. What can you say? Because I know the hard work of feeling by yourselves and just, you know, and just playing because you love to play. And that's still the reason why we play. Right. So that needs to be the number one motivator sure. is do it because you want to do it, not because you're searching for anything else beyond that. Right. We all worked our day jobs, and at the end of the, you know, at the end of work, we'd go and rehearse. You know, other people would go to the bar or go do. Sure, well, we'll meet you there, but we'll be there in five hours. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah, we, um, yeah, we, we definitely were very fortunate in a weird way to have that machine expose us to a large amount of people all at once. Because yeah. I don't know if we'd be the, you know, if that didn't happen, who knows how where how this would look now. I had a couple of garage bands uh, growing up and it became quite the party spot. Like people like to come sure. and watch. Did you have that? Not got, really. We're, we're, we're you nerds. Kept, yeah. Like, you kept, kept it kind of to yeah, yourself. That might've been a business. good idea. Yeah, actually. It was like, we, we, we took it very seriously. We're like, this is what we're doing. And this is how, when, as soon as that door closed at rehearsal, that was just us when that's, the rest of the world can. I'm pretty off. sure that's, you know, why Billy talent made it. And the riddle didn't that you guys, <laughs> <laughs> the riddle, the riddle. Yeah. It's a good name. Yeah, thanks. That's okay. <laughs> That's a, a yeah. throwback, and, and some of the people listening, I'm sure, will oh, maybe remember go. the riddle. But, yeah. A um, couple things that I noted about you guys at the beginning is, is A, slick look right slick? off the top. Yeah? I thought so. <laughs> okay. You know, almost like a, a uniform of not only the clothing you wore, but sort of an energy, too. Tight mm. package, came out. Often it was everybody in black. Still um, is. Yeah. yeah, yeah pr- pretty pretty sleek and just a very strong presence, right? Like I think when you guys okay. first came yeah, on the sure. scene, there was, there was that yeah. sense. The other yeah. thing was that, and you've talked about this, it was a little bit hard to put a finger on exactly what subgenre was coming at us here, right? It was, you could say punk, but no, that wouldn't be quite that that easy to say. You could say metal, you could say hard rock. There was some progressive rock elements and... Really, you, you put together this new package for people that they were able to say, okay, that's what's cutting through, and that's what's You know, I remember listening. Uh, there was a great Clash documentary called West Way to the World, and um, there was one part to it, and just to paraphrase. Um, it's a great doc. I saw it is, doc. yeah. Uh, it was the band kind of talking about how there was four members, and each one was very had a very strong personality and carried something. Right. And what they realized is when they were trying to change those people to be something else, it wasn't working. And now, then in hindsight, this was kind of looking back, they were reminiscing about how they wish they would have just let that oddity and like the, the differences was what made them special. That to, to me, when I heard that, I was like, wow, and not <laughs> am I at all trying to compare our band to The Clash? I'm not. But what I'm saying is the dynamic between the four people, that's what really, it was a light bulb. It was like all of our differences and the things that make us a little, you know, uh, ourselves as individuals, collectively, when you put it into like the pot, for some reason, that's what comes out. Right. And it's literally the ingredients of of each member. And that was very particular and very unique to us. You know, and like the way Ian plays guitar and the way he approaches songwriting is very much his. Yeah. You know, and same with Johnny. Like Johnny has, you know, one of the greatest bass players in this country and he's completely under, under, uh, you know, undervalued, I think, as like the respect factor for him and, you know, this dummy as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's an amazing drummer and had his own way of playing that was really particular. You know, the thing that, and me, I mean, God, I mean, I've, Singing is a very strange thing. It just, in essence, it's a it's an odd thing to do. Because there was it was drumming and guitar playing, and you did a few things right at well, the beginning, and, and probably still do. But no, I mean, yeah. I was a drummer. Uh, I mean, I can play the drums 
I, I'm okay right. at best. Right. Uh, guitar playing, no, I'm terrible. I mean, I like I'm like the guy that can maybe get through three Pearl Jam songs around the campfire if I'm you know haven't drank too much wine. Right. Uh, but <laughs> but you, you were yeah. you had a, a bit of a rhythm gig in one of the bands that no. that, that you never did. No, no, no I was no, always no just been straight singing, straight singing yeah, or, or drums. Yeah, two. well, drumming. Yeah, and then I got kicked out. It's a long story, but I got kicked out of the first band because this guy Aaron. Uh, was better than me and so I got demoted out I got kicked out and then the guy called me and asked me if I wanted to sing backup vocals and then I said sure because I just wanted to be in a band Right. and then um, from that myself Aaron and Johnny left that band and asked Ian who was by far the best guitar player in our school if he wanted to jam and the rest is history yeah. it's pretty great eh? You, we had a guy named Chris Cairns who was our our high school genius guitar yeah, player. Yeah. And it was always like, how did that kid get so yeah. good, better than everybody else? By like a leap years. Like you know? what like, happened? How, yeah, how did it, what? <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm practicing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so uh, going back to your original question, yeah, so I don't know why we sound the way we sound, but when you mix, and now we have Jordan playing right. drums with us as right. well. Um, and Jordan I, was from Alexis on Fire. Correct, still yeah, is, yeah. yeah. But he, uh, you know, that was a very difficult thing for us because obviously for the, you know, for Aaron, yeah. um, who has been with us since the very beginning, mm-hmm. of before the beginning of all of this, as a friend and as a bandmate for him, for those that don't know, Aaron has had to leave the band due to um, his battle with MS, and um, which he has got diagnosed when he was... 24 and ended up playing drums, recording four live or four records, touring the world relentlessly when everyone and every doctor told him that he couldn't. Um, And eventually um, it's caught up to him. So we've asked Jordan, who's a friend of ours and in a band called Alexis on Fire, who is also we've toured with and kind of went through the ranks with. And now Jordan's with us. It was a very difficult time for us as a band and as him being one of my best friends in the whole world, you know, even more so to see that. Um, And it's not something that, you know, we're we're still going through it and whatever that means or how that looks like, we just deal with it. But Aaron's at the studio every day. He's part of every decision where he's still, you know, we just went from four to five. That recipe as I was talking about, we've just got a new flavor in, you know, and it's, uh, and it's been really working out quite well. We made the best of a really terrible situation and we're trying to just keep navigating how that looks and how that feels and where it's going to go. You're listening to Art at the End of the World, the podcast. My name is Mark Wigmore. We return with Billy Talent's Ben Kowalowitz in moments. You are with Art at the End of the World on the Zoomer Podcast Network. We return to my conversation with a great guy to chat with, Billy Talents, Ben Kowalowitz. Why did Europe respond the way it did? It's a good question. Huge, right? We do, okay, yeah. (laughs) Arguably your best market in the world. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, is, or is there just a bigger appetite for rock and roll there? No, compared? because then that would apply to all bands, right? Mm. Or all rock bands. No, I don't know. I think for us, it was just a matter of, like, when we first came out and talking about that rocket ship, that rocket ship, you know, was also happening in like places like the UK for us. And then Germany, which Germany, you know, has 88 million people in the size of Ontario. And their music channel, like the Much Music, or MTV, I guess it was there, also was pumping out all over from like Austria, Switzerland, sure. you know, uh, all over Poland, Western Europe, Hungary, yeah, all right. over Western Europe. So we all of a sudden were being catapulted into this, you know, uh, into people's homes. Uh, and then we just literally, if you want the honest truth, it was hard work. We yeah. went and played in front of, you know, a hundred people in a small bar on a, you know, on a Tuesday night. And then we'd keep going back and we kept going back and every time we go back the crowds got incrementally a little bit bigger you guys played Poland a little bit yeah lots of times yes yeah. the the homeland and you go for me yeah, yeah and you yeah. go and is that meaningful for Absolutely. you to, to go see where things started totally yeah you know and uh, not to get even weird too too much into my history but um 
you know, my grandfather fought for the Polish army, was captured day two, was in a camp, uh, met my grandmother in the camp, uh, escaped there. Uh, my dad, after the war, was born in a DP camp, which is a displaced persons camp, and then came to Canada. Uh, and then, you know, uh, met my mom um, and and so on and so forth. And then I was born. Did that stuff hang over you as a kid? Was there awareness Not growing really up? When that, you're, that, no, no. That, that more is I became more of a, you know, into my teens and was a little bit more cognitive of what, you know, the war. And <laughs> but were your parent, were your, was your dad different than other dads in that, you know, he had had gone through those experiences and I think it was just more appreciative right. of the small things, you right. know, and uh hardest working guy I know, um, which I guess I've adopted some of that drive. Of I like, would say, yeah. From him, which I'm, you know, forever indebted and thankful for. But so, yeah, I mean, going back to Poland, my dad hadn't been back since he was born and he was born in Poznań. So at that time it was kind of, uh, it would go between occupied and allied throughout the war. No, you know what? I stand corrected. He did go there once years and years and years ago, but it was the first time he ever been to Warsaw and we went to Krakow and Poznań as well. So anyway, my dad came with me. And the we big walked, markets. Yeah, we yeah. walked around and, you know, and Aaron was there and Aaron's also has Polish uh, in his bloodline as well. And so we, we ended up walking around and going out and having pierogies and my dad walked through Old Town Warsaw and, you know, and then we played in Berlin. I took him down to the wall and took him to the Holocaust Museum and Memorial there. And, you know, it's it really touched thing, my dad. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was, I'm really happy in, to have shared that with my dad, knowing about what my, you know, his, his journey and what he went through and. And us being, you know, uh, doing very well in Germany and having uh, such a beautiful relationship with that country and the people and have so many friends there. And for him to see his son, you know, with his friends on stage in, you know, Berlin in front of 10,000 people, you know, or whatever it is, he's, you know, it was, it was a very special moment. He still talks about it to this day. And it was, pretty you know, incredible. I mean, yeah, that, that's, pretty cool. that is, you know, you hope your parents at least get to see one yeah. of those. Yeah. Things you know, and, and those that are the types of things that, that people, success. people yeah. don't know, right? Like, you, why would they? Yeah. You know, but those are the types of things that it's still like, it fills my heart to be able to look over and see him there. And, and, um, so Europe is, has been a place to us. And it's weird kind of saying Europe because it's so big. Sure. And so, so uh, diverse from, so you know, on, yeah. 10 hour drive, you can be in three different countries kind of thing, you yeah. know, but, uh, we've done quite well in the, in, in certain places. And, and you know what? We just keep going back and we keep, um, it keeps growing. So is it, is it yeah. is in, is it in the plans for 2020? Yeah. So we're going back out there this, uh, in May, we head back out and we go to, we actually start in the UK and then we go to Russia, Moscow, St. Pete's, and we go to Kiev. Then, well, obviously Germany, we're playing uh, pretty big festivals there, which we're very excited about. And then Switzerland, Austria, Poland again, and we end in Hungary, I think. So. You must have to learn at some point, and maybe this is just trial by fire of... Currency? You know, <laughs> a lot of currency <laughs> What's issues. Currency? Yeah, but yeah, at the same yeah. time, you know, you guys, as you say, you were strapped to a rocket ship and you were suddenly playing bigger venues and bigger venues, but... Nothing, I don't think, can really prepare you for 100,000 no. people. I mean, that's just, when you guys get in front of a crowd like that, to just learn how to even sway with yeah, that, well, that energy. Like. Yeah, it's it's overwhelming. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's it's a lot coming at you, and it's a, it, you got to give that much more back. Is that, that's the methodology. I mean, again, we just kind of approach it as, you know, uh, we're so lucky to be there. You know, so we get really excited to to have that chance and to be able to, you know, take that car out for a ride kind of thing. You right. know, it's like sitting there like, all right, here we go. You know, and I, I always, you know, we've been fortunate enough. Like the last time we played this one festival, Rockham Ring and Rockham Park, there's 110,000 people there. And the festival the day before had been closed or had to be shut down. And all the people were moved because of the weather and wow. storms and people were getting struck by lightning, which is awful. Right. You know, when you're standing, you know, vulnerably in the open field. Yeah. The next day, we were supposed to go on. It was the Deftones, us, and then the Red Hot Chili Peppers headlining. And for us, you know, we're huge Chili Peppers fans. Like, you know, Mother's Milk and Blood Sugar Sex Magic were seminal records to us. You they're, know? they're really the sweet spot, aren't they? They're the the fulcrum on which that whole uh, arc yeah. of that career happens. You Absolutely. Know, they're, they're right in the middle. And like Blood Sugar Science Magic came out in the same day as uh, Nirvana, never mind by that. Anyway, um, so yeah, so here we are backstage and the whole time throughout the day, the weather's absolutely horrible. And the promoter comes into us and is like, you're playing. 
We're like, okay, great. Okay, you're not playing. Okay, right. great. You're not playing. Okay, great. You know, literally it was like this back and forth with the whole day. And now it's like 1030 at night, you know, and it's still raining and it's still miserable. And the promoter said, like a okay, Woodstock story. this is, yeah. yeah. And the promoter come, comes in and says, listen, we're going to put the Deftones on. Then you guys, then the Chili Peppers, we're going to open the doors. These people have been standing outside in the cold, not even allowed on the grounds to use like for food and, you know, uh, washrooms, you know. So we're like, all right. So, but it's going to be condensed sets because of whatever. Like, sure, no problem. And then the promoter comes in again. And poor guy, he was having a bit of a rough day, but he he was very, very. Uh, he was trying his best. Right. Uh, and the promoter came in and said, you know, okay, the Chili Peppers have to leave due to some obligation or whatever. And we're like, okay, so they want to know if you'll go on after them. <laughs> we're like. So let me get this straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it away now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so we ended up, we we're like, okay. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so then it was the Deftones, the Chili Peppers, and then we went on. And the, the crowd were just so thankful and so happy to have music in front of them. And for just to what they've endured over the last, you know, what, and then we, so we played it. It was ar- arguably one of the most magical shows that I've ever put on or been part of, um, just because of how happy people were and just the oddity of going on and after. And they were warmed up. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and it was Jordan's second show <laughs> okay. in the band. Yeah. So it was second or third show. So anyway, yeah. So that was, uh, those types of moments you'll, you, when you put your head on the pillow, go, wow, what just happened? Like, how did this all, how are we even here? How do people even know who we are? Right. You know? Yeah. When you're standing side stage listening to, you know, give it away or, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. I was looking at the record release since 2003, since the first yeah. record. And it's been on this sort of three year cycle. And it looks mm. like you guys have finally broken. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know that comes with uh, so many different reasons yeah. as to, you know, you guys are changing and, and the record business has changed too. So there's decisions that are out of your hands as well. But where does that well, stand? Well, it's a good question. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a bit of a lengthy one, but thank God it's a podcast. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we got all the time in the world. <laughs> so there I was. Uh, no, um, you know, when, when, when we're talking about the history of the band and, and the way we have operated, mm-hmm. uh, it takes us a while. Ian is the main songwriter in the band. Uh, not only is he great as Chris Kearney was. Chris Karens. Karens on, nice, on, good on, memory. on, on wow. guitar. Good for you. Uh, but this guy is, you know, arguably the best guitar player in not only in this country, but potentially the world, in my opinion. He is one of the greatest songwriters in this country, if not the world, in my opinion. But he is also uh, an amazing producer as well. And he produces all of well, the last three records or the one that we're working on the last two and then co-produced the Billy Talent 2. But his song writing and the way he approaches songs is... is it takes a while, and he's methodical about it, and he really combs through everything. So for us, we're not the band that's like, yeah, we wrote 75 songs, we're going to pick the best 10. It's like, no, we, like, we work on 10 to 12 songs, and we make them the best that they can possibly be. And he thinks on a level of, and you sort of pointed this out with the last record too, is it's, it's almost like he wants, I know that was very much his baby, mm-hmm. and it was almost thematic. Like he, he had this idea for this project yeah. and for this sound and, and the it, content that's and everything. That's the vision. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know. Is that going to continue? You'll kind well, of yeah. go along okay. that so, way? So, yeah. So to that point, um, so we would, that's the way we would write. And then recording is just as methodical and just as um, fine-tuned. Um, and then we tour. So, yeah, it is a three-year cycle. But within yeah. that, like we don't stop working. It's just a constant it's just a different, you know, you go from like jamming, working on the songs uh, to then recording the songs to then finishing all that kind of, you know, and then going out and playing, you know. So we decided on this record that we were going to do everything completely different than what we've done before. It's a good idea. Mix well, it up. it's yes, but it's also, you know, you can't be, again, the old guy yelling at the clouds, right? Like, well, we're record sales. You know, it's like, we don't give a shit about that because we've never made a dollar off any record sales. So that's never been part of our equation. Not off, even off the first couple? Never. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Right. Um, the tour we life. can talk about that right. another time. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so we've, uh, we decided that nowadays you can use the different mediums to your advantage. Right. You know, yes, you can kick and scream and be like, well, people don't buy records and people don't listen. People, yeah, you're right. But that's not going to change the fact of how this, you know, in order to stay 
uh, fluid. And in order for people to hear about you, you need to, you know, you need to figure out ways of how they consume and give it to them. Right. And that gone are the days. Well, not really, but like where I would get, you know, a record and I would go and I would study the artwork and open it up and listen to it 700 times, you know, flipping it back and forth on vinyl. And it's an experience it, I miss know, very yeah, much. Well, yeah. Like, and, you know, having a, uh, some wine and like, I, I, I quit smoking, but like, you know, smoking a pack of cigarettes and just like listening to music, right. you know, it's the best. Anyway, yeah. so we decided on this record that we're going to do something different. So that being said, what, what did we do? Well, we decided that we're going to create a batch of songs and then just release them as they're done. This is interesting because uh, Tame Impala has just put out a new record, highly anticipated. At the same time, he'd released most of it (laughs) beforehand, and he had just done it track by track as they sort of came along. He added a few little remixes and things to to the final record, but at the end of the day, I had heard most of the record by the time it came out, and And that was kind of cool. Yeah, and and you enjoyed it. It fed me in a different way. Exactly. Well said. So that's, that's kind of how we're approaching it. So we went in and recorded seven songs. The first ones that we recorded were probably the craziest songs that we've ever written. Okay. It's songs called Forgiveness 1 and 2. Define, um, define crazy. Well, just like the music, like um, it's the closest thing to Billy Talent doing like going prog. Okay. So it's very complex. The music, like the musicianship in the band is just next level. Um, like the playing itself. And Ian's songwriting, again, is next level. So it was this crazy journey for the first half. And then the second part of the song, which we wanted to do two parts to it, so it's like a six and a half minute song, um, is this Floyd, beautiful, we got the Northern Horns to come in and play with us and there's beautiful horns and wow. we have a saxophone solo. Uh, so classical 96.3 will actually uh, right. play us now. Of course we will. Yeah, right. Yeah, that uh, seals the deal. But for real though, we have a, a beautiful uh, saxophone solo in the right. song and it's, I like hearing this. I like hearing well, you you, the song. I You're like hearing love the, the song. I like so, hearing what you guys are doing because so, I think that's a, a nice to think about you guys going, okay, you know what? We can, there's more we can explore. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. And so we didn't really, we did, there was no teasing. There was no nothing. We just, one morning we just dropped the song right. a couple months ago. And the reaction to the song has been like overwhelmingly positive and people are so excited but people like you know uh, are asking like, well, what are they doing? Like, is this a new record? So we just haven't said anything. So then we just released our first kind of single, quote unquote, and that's doing really well. And within this new package that we're going to be doing, we're going to probably release maybe two or three more songs, and then like as the songs on the radio, we're writing lyrics to the other couple songs, and Ian's finishing guitars, and I'm tracking them right. while the mixes are coming on from the one that we just sent out. So it's all... How's that feeling? It's feeling it, great. To do it a little differently. I mean, Ian yeah. might tell you differently because he's been at the studio, you know, nonstop and right. hasn't really had a break. Um, but I mean, it's it's been really invigorating to hear, to have things out and still be working on, at, at the same time. And I know? should point out that Aaron is here. He uh, is. Your original drummer. And we were we heard him in the background a moment ago, but he's actually filming this. And, yeah. and this is, going. I imagine, going to be some part of mm-hmm. this tapestry of uh, mm-hmm. releases that you're putting together. So... Funny you should ask, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the camera's right there, so... So we, um, we're going to be releasing a record, and the record comes out in the fall. When? Okay. Don't know. What's the title? No idea. <laughs> but all I know is, like, so we're releasing these five songs, which I'll get to, and we have a couple more that we need to finish, and then we'll go back in the studio next month to record four more. And then we go on tour, and then we're going to come, hopefully have the music done, and then I'll track the rest of those songs over the summer. And then once those are done, we'll put it out as a record. Sure. Right. But we're going to more or less be releasing half the record first right. before the other half comes out. So with that being said, it's been a, uh, a, a remarkable challenge and bit daunting getting the, the record labels to understand the vision of something like this. Because again, that old you know Titanic boat... It's slow to it, turn. It but feels like it shouldn't be, though. Like, well, by I, now, they must be seeing, like, hey, you know, the old The methods. archaic system is Yeah, like, is clearly broken. it's got long. That ship yeah. has sailed. Yeah. Uh, and so, but now, they've, now that we've, they've been really great. And I should say, I, I think that's worth noting, because they've been really great with the idea and, and have been really helping with the follow-through and the execution of it. But, so we decided that we wanted to do something different when it comes to the visual component of this, because usually going back to the the old format of, you know, you 
release a single and then rock video, you know, band in urban decay setting playing, you know, angrily. It's like, okay. So we didn't want to do that, but we wanted to do something that was, that would help drive the songs that we're putting out and having something where it would be a, a bigger narrative as opposed to just like a rock and roll video. So cue to us calling our friend uh, Michael Maxis, who is a director from Canada, from Edmonton, who has done probably three or four of our videos over the years. I haven't spoken to him in years. Ian and I talked to him about this idea of doing something a lot bigger and having like releasing five songs and having the lyrics of each of those songs complement this overall movie idea. So we more or less decided that we were going to do a short film, have five different parts to this film, and with the new songs that we'll be releasing, they will be accompaniments to the actual episodes. Right. Chapters, as we're calling them. Feels very 2020 to me. It feels 2020, and it's been not without its challenges. Yeah. Um, But it's because the project has is very ambitious, We've been very fortunate um, in weird ways that uh, Michael Maxis knew uh, he had just finished a a feature film out in California. And he ended up meeting some stunt people and ended up meeting Cowboy, uh, who's a UFC fighter, um, who just fought Conor McGregor or whatever. Right. And he's transitioning into acting and wants to become an actor. So we asked him to be part of it. Okay. And then... We had a change in the in in kind of the the treatment and the script that we were working on, and I I wanted to have a female. I think I, I thought it lent its well to having the the hero and the hero be female. Right. And so we ended up through the UFC connections and through Cowboy uh, getting Rose Namajunas, who's a former champion in the UFC, and she was open to the idea of getting into some acting. And so you've got two UFC stars, a few is that more. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, is like none of us in the band are UFC uh, <laughs> you are now. fans uh, per se, but you know we respect the you know the, the what goes into to doing it. And so, and they've heard the songs and they were really keen on being part of it. And, and so it's been, yeah, it's been great. We have four of the five episodes kind of shot. Where have you been shooting? They're, they're have all been filmed in New Mexico. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's this... Uh, Breaking bad country. It's this beautiful landscape, but it also looks like this dystopian Mars-like planet. Sure, you of know? course. Um, and so it's been really interesting to see how... Now, as we're releasing songs and we're putting this out and we're releasing these visual components to it, and they're a bit challenging and they're, they're you know, I, I highly suggest people checking them out because they're, they're worth watching. But, you know, we're throwing people off again because they don't really understand, like, are we releasing a record? Are we releasing, are these videos? Are they, why are there only parts of the song and just the guitar? Like, Well, so, it sounds very much in tune with not only the, the tone of the record and the ambitiousness yeah. of the record, but also with what you're doing release-wise and with what, just the whole project seems That's like, it. you know, it's a pretty avant-garde move. And it's alive, so it's yeah. happening in real time. Like, right. this is something that's like, we're not just sitting here waiting on it to happen. This is like, <laughs> this is like, like the fourth, song we just got the mix yesterday you know and, I mean? and you got and a baby like, in your hand and i got a baby in my hand and i'm trying to you know, do all this stuff it's been uh but you know what i will say that like doing approaching things in this way has mm-hmm. been really uh reinvigorating to us and the creative aspect and the having to make decisions kind of on the fly and there is something very visceral like there feels it doesn't feel like we've just been sitting on something and just kind of give it this is a bold, ambitious adventure. Well, it's either that or maybe never doing it again, right? Is that the thinking sometimes? Well, because so- sometimes you don't want to become obsolete, and you don't want to paint yourself into a corner where you've, you know, you 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 expect things to operate in a way that they used to, right? And it just it doesn't work like that anymore, right, right. you know. And you need to work harder. You need to be more intelligent in the choices that you make. And you need to nourish yourselves artistically, too. That's to, to, to also, actually get out of bed and say, I actually want to go do this. And at the end of the day, it's not about anything else except for the fans getting music that they like. The beautiful part of working on this record, each song that we're working on and each song that we're, we're, we're putting out, they're all completely different than the last one. But there is a continuity to it that is going back to our original conversation that is uniquely just Billy Talent. So if you're a fan of ours, of the band, there's something on this record 
for everybody. Cause I think there's like Billy Talon is like a weird multifaceted multi-universe kind of band yeah. where we can have these proggy adventures, but we can also have slower, more mid-tempo, yeah. uh, you know, uh, songs. And we it's have some of your bigger, biggest hits. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah sure. and we also have like some pretty hardcore down and dirty rock and roll songs, you know, yeah. and punk rock songs as well, you know? So there's, there's a little bit of everything on this for, for, for fans of the band, which is exciting. How are you guys reflecting right now? Because we're in this moment and you guys have always been somewhat conscious of what's happening politically and you always have to make these decisions of how much you're going to get involved, how much you're going to wear it on your sleeve, how much you have to say. Do you hold back? Do you get involved in politics? Do you not? There's all these decisions you have to make as mm -hmm. a band and as a voice and as this force of art. And we're in this, you were pointing out, Rage Against the Machine, back yeah. at it. I yeah, mean, a lot great. of people are looking at that as a, some sort of a signifier of, of sure. the moment we're yeah. in. So where do, where do you put that responsibility? Or, or do you I take it on? I don't even think of it as a responsibility. I yeah. don't even, I think it's just, if you are, I think music and you, you become, you are a product of the, of the environment that you're in. You know, and we've grown up in a scene and uh, where which was really no scene other than trying your best. And if someone needs help, you help them. Like we've been part and doing show. Like the very first show we ever put on in our high school cafeteria at Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Meadowvale, Ontario, was you know you had to bring a canned good because we gave it to the food bank. And this is like in '92 or '93. Who made that yeah. decision? We all did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, then that kind of spawned, like, every year we would do this concert, we'd always, every show, we'd have to have some kind of charitable angle to it. Philanthropy so, from day one. Well, yeah, but so... Not every say, band would do that, I no, guess is well, what I'm saying. Yeah, sure, but that's just how we've always been. Yeah. So, and are we a political band? Sometimes. You know, are we socially aware of what's happening around us in our, you know, in our communities? Yeah. And around the world? Yes. And if there's injustice, if there's things that, that you see that, you know, right now we're being, it's the most dangerous, divisive time in my 44 years on the planet. Pretty rotten. It's, uh, you know, and truth is being spun into and being sold to you, which aren't truths, you know, and there's It, it there's feels this, like a uh, an unstoppable wave. In it does. So, you know, to just pretend that that's not happening is not in the makeup of the DNA of this band. We will we will say Reckless Paradise, our new song out right now, is ex exactly about what we're talking about. How and it's about you know trying your best to 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 be aware that there's more to the world than just you, and that we're part of this thing together, and we can get through this, and we can make better. We can make this place better if we start. You know, by working on ourselves and being a better person and, and being more mindful and being more helpful and being more charitable and being and just having a little bit more compassion and delicate to, towards other people. You know, like we're so easy nowadays to just cut people down. How are you guys with that? I mean, that, I mean, it's, you no must one be like, sure. What, yeah, I guess we praised and also people, you know, there's always going to be contrarians and there's always going to be people that don't like what you do. That's what art is. Right. That's what music is. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but for the people that it's for is why we do it. But you, know? you, you do have access to it in this. And when you're in the public eye, and that's, of course, that's why we see people not wanting to take on hosting the Oscars and so on and so yeah. forth, because to have that kind of light on you yeah. is an invitation sure. for yeah, no, in the modern right. age. And it's, and it's, and you're right. And that's true. And that is a responsibility that people in the public eye have to take. You also have to have a little bit thicker skin, you know, because there's going to be people like you work so hard on these songs and you work so hard on like the, the lyrics and the, you know, the themes of them and you, you know, you develop this and, and just have people like, that sucks. Right. Or sounds like shit. Or I hate this band. Oh my God, look at what they're wearing. You know, but that's just like, and you kind of go, well, you're, that's fine. You're entitled to your, to your pain, but you're missing the whole point. You right. know what I mean? So I, I think people just being mean for the sake of being mean is really sad, you know, but I still believe and try to surround myself with, with good people. I believe that you can put good intentions and, you know, uh, and see them react with people. You know, there's no better feeling than seeing, you know, being in a place that maybe you know, from like Cape Town, South Africa or Moscow, you know, or Saskatoon. And when you look out in the crowd and you see people that are singing songs back to you and they have tears in their eyes or smiles or they're mm -hmm. hugging their friends or they're just, right. they're just feeling that, that to me is everything that we've ever needed or wanted to do 
That's, that's the goal. Everything else and all the bullshit of people wanting to, you know, um, you know, uh, who particular may not like us or they, you know, or whatever it may be, the haters, <laughs> as they say, uh, you know, when you have those moments, no one or nothing that you can say can ever take that away from that bond between the song and a band and the fan. There's nothing. And that's why we do it. And that's why we continue to do it is for that reason. I think that's a good place to you leave like it. You like that? I do, man. Oh, Thank you. It's fun to talk to you. It's fun to talk to you. And, Thank you. And uh, we're looking forward to all that happens, the, the multimedia uh, <laughs> yeah. exploration that we're going to be enjoying with Billy Town. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And good luck with your new endeavor and uh, all the best to you. Glad to see you back behind the mic. There goes Ben, and uh, Aaron was here as well from Billy Talent uh, shooting the interview for a film project they're working on. Billy Talent back at it again here in 2020. A couple new singles, which you can stream and download, and then the complete album uh, will be out at some point. They're still deciding. And there's that film element to the music as well. BillyTalent.com for all the goings-on with the band, and they're headed out to Europe for huge festivals in May and then uh, back in Canada with festival dates later in the summer. Great to spend some time with Billy Town. Uh, I also want to thank our sponsors today, Red Eye Media and Crow's Theatre, crowstheatre.com to find out everything that is happening there. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're back on Thursday with another edition of our remix series. This week, Heroin, the drag performer. Heroin will be my special guest. Lots to talk about, including her thoughts on RuPaul. You can always listen to episodes anywhere you enjoy downloading and streaming podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, artattheendoftheworld.com, classicalfm.ca, and uh, find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're back on Thursday. My name is Mark Wigmore. We'll speak to you then and for as long as we can. podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.